Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to TGC Canada's Worship God podcast. I'm your host, Jody Cross. With me today is Rob Brockman in Ontario and Pat Sabell all the way on the West Coast. Guys, good to see you again. How are you doing? Good to see you, Jody. Doing well, man. Doing well. Good. Well, we continue to journey together, and uh, we've been doing this now for, I think, I don't know, a bunch of months anyway, since uh, I think the summertime. And uh, we have COVID conversations and lockdown conversations. And today we are actually looking at part two of what it means to worship a big God in a small church. And we have been there. Uh, I'm currently serving in a church of about 100 people. Pat, I think the church you're serving at, when they come together, is 100 to 200. Is that right? Something like that. A couple hundred, I think. Yeah. And Rob, the church that you were part of was a few hundred, and you're going to a church of a few hundred. That's it. So... You know, we have been uh, leading, Pat and I have been leading uh, worship for about 30 years. Rob, a, a little bit less than that. You're a much younger guy than we are. You guys have been leading as long as I've been alive. So. <laughs> you oh, are man. fresh. Yeah. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> you are fresh and we are vintage. There you go. Yeah, fresh is cool. Vintage is cool. Yeah. And, you know, we have been through uh, lots of different kinds of church services and church sizes. And uh, let me say, I have been in... In worship gatherings of 50,000 people with promise keepers in the day, there's dating myself. <laughs> and in uh, stadium events like T4G or um, TGC conferences with you know a few thousand people. And the big things are glorious. They're great. But for most of us, we are not, that's not normal for us. That's not normal Sunday morning. Uh, it's great to be singing with 50,000 guys, but normally that's not our local context. And the scripture says that we are to be faithful in whatever God has given to us. And uh, we are in part two. Last time we talk, talked about how one of the, the things that we really need to guard against is envy and thinking that the people over there with more people, a bigger building, more equipment, uh, somehow is better, better than what we've got. First Peter chapter 4.10 speaks to that. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you guys, as you hear that scripture, applying that to in terms of spiritual gifting to what we're talking about, worshiping this big God in, in a small church, what are, what are some principles that you see in that text that help us to, to frame our discussion today? Well, I think the, certainly the, the first thing that jumps out to, to me in that text is each person has received a gift. And there's this idea here that I've received this, God has given this to me. And just one thing I love about the Puritans is like I'm, I'm reading Sibs and Goodwin right now, and they'll just take a line and they'll like preach for like four sermons on just like one concept of the scriptures. And that's an idea to meditate on. I have received this gift. I have received. What does that mean to receive this? God has intentionally given it to me. God has entrusted me with this. It's a gift. This is a gift from God. Um, it's a good thing that I'm meant to use. And so to me, I think that's the first thing that I meditate on is if God has given me this gift, it's kind of my responsibility to use it. And it goes on to say, use it to serve one another. So there's intentionality between the gift that God has given me, and I'm not supposed to put it under a shoebox and hide it under my bed. Uh, I'm not supposed to just take it and let it collect dust. 
I'm meant to use it to serve people and I'm meant to grow in it because God's given it to me. And so I would say God, God has given us all a gift, big church, small church. God has given us gifts that we are meant to use. And certainly as a leader, and let's say I'm trying to instill and try to grow leadership, I want to help people see and help people discern what's the gift that God has given them to use for serving one another and really help them. Um, so I think that's the first thing. You know, we all meet people who go, well, I don't have a gift. Like God isn't, you know, little kind of Eeyore-ish. Like, I don't have any, you know, that's just not true. Everybody has been given a gift. So if you're listening today, I want to tell you, God's given you a gift. He's given you something that he wants you to use and he wants you to use to bless people. And maybe that's a gift of encouragement or in our thing, it's worship. There's a skill that he's given you. There's a passion he's given you for worship. We got to use that and use it to serve one another. So that, that would be one thing for me. Yeah. And I think it's in order that, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, we use our gifts. Um, uh, we're, we're going through the book of Ephesians right now as a church. And just this past Sunday, our, our pastor, Norm Funk, uh, did a, a masterful job of Ephesians 4, uh, 7 to 16, I think it was. But, you know, verse 7 says, as where is verse 7? I'm just looking at it. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. <clears throat> he was talking about that, that when we use our gifts um, in the church, we, we make this statement that, that, the, that Jesus, the giver of these gifts, has conquered. And every time we use these gifts, we make the statement that these gifts have been given to us by the conquering uh, Messiah, the con our conquering Lord, the one who has defeated death and hell and the grave and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so I think there's a beautiful thing, no, no matter what the size of the church is. Um, you know, we talked last last time um, we did this podcast just about the, the comparison. Um, but but whatever level God has, God has placed you where he has you, and he wants you to use that gift, whatever that gift may be, uh, so that uh, God may be glorified through mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And when you use that gift in that context, in that small church, you're making a statement to the world that, that, that our Lord has conquered and he has given gifts to his church. Uh, he's given a gift to you. So use it. Use it to, to bring glory to him through Jesus Christ. And I, I'm even looking at Acts 20, where Paul speaks to the elders and he tells them in verse 28, um, you know, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. And so he's saying even there, hey, the Holy Spirit put you in this role, you know. And so we just that's such a huge thing first you know, for the lay persons and, you know, for the guy in the small church or the gal in the small church who might just be feeling like, you know, why am I here? It's like, well, because the Holy Spirit put you here, you know, God wanted you here. And like Pat's saying, it's to give him glory. <laughs> and yeah. uh, remember that there's an intentionality. There's such wonderful sovereign intentionality in terms of where God has placed us. I just preached on Matthew 25 on Sunday, the parable of talents and the message was called found faithful. That's, I think, Rob, Rob, what you're saying, you know, be faithful with with what God has given you as each has received a gift. We have gifts, we have context, we have 
a congregation in front of us. God has given us all of that, and we don't have to be like other people. We just go, Lord, what does it mean? And I think that's really a very first foundational thing in terms of you're a leader in a church, a small church, and you're saying, God, would you help me to be faithful with, with where I am, with what we've got? Mm. And then Pat, just to tie it together, say, Lord, we want to bring you maximum glory with this little this little crew we have, with these few instruments we have. And so, Lord, how can you maximize it? And that's what, that's what we want to talk about today as we move into this. As I think about big worship of a big God in a small context, I think of Acts 16. Paul and Silas are in jail at midnight. They're beaten up. They're battered. They're wounded. And they have just this glorious worship service. And uh, there does not need to be a stadium to bring um, worship that honors God and that Jesus Christ, and magnifies Jesus Christ. So let's just remember that. We don't need the big stadium. We just need a heart that's pure and loves the gospel and loves Christ. And I think we also need to say, you guys have brought this out really well, let's not despise the day of small beginnings. Let's not despise small settings. In fact, there are advantages of small church worship. I thought about a couple, and maybe you can think of some too, but one of the things about small church worship is that the voices, the voices of God's people singing, have a chance to really rise and be heard and to be lifted because there's not a lot of other things getting in the way. Uh, there's not big drum solos, you know, drowning them out, and there's not a, maybe a hugely loud PA system that's drowning them out. You can hear people sing. There's a sense of intimacy as well in a smaller church. Everybody knows each other. It's it's a family gathering. And with less complexity, because there's less instrumentation, there can be the beauty of simplicity. And uh, if you're leading a small church right now, maybe you can think about some of the advantages, or if maybe you haven't been reflecting, as Rob said, on what are the advantages of, of small church. Um, just appreciate the context God's given you. And maybe you guys, you can think of, an advantage or two of, of what it means to be leading in a small church? What are some things that, that you gain? I think um, certainly one thing that you gain is we've all seen this in big church where you got a whole lot of people who come in, sit in the back and then leave and they don't have a stake in the situation. They don't have a, you know, you go into a small church of 50 people, you you know, you notice People are like, oh, hey, you're a new couple. Hey, you know, do you play anything? Or, hey, you know, like you in a small church, you get involved. And that's a beautiful thing because it's a blessing. It's a gift to serve. And um, so that's certainly a, a huge benefit. It comes with everything comes with plus and minuses. Um, but you, it's a huge benefit that in a small church, everybody's got to get involved. There's no sideline sitters. Everybody's got to serve. I'm making coffee one week and then the next week I'm playing acoustic. And then the week after I'm running sound and it's just cause all hands on deck, we're going to serve where we need to. And that is a glorious, beautiful thing, um, that I find once you get into big church, then you just start having the, you know, the Levitical few who do, you know, the worship. And, um, and that can be great. That can be awesome because you can really take your quality up and it really eliminates a lot of problems and a lot of distractions. Um, but there also is a blessing of just having the many kind of serve and fill in and that can be a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've always said, you know, about worship leaders, I think they should uh, shouldn't be allowed to be on stage and leading worship until they've led worship in a community group for the first two years. <laughs> uh, there's something about the the small group setting um, 
that just shows all our warts. It shows all our flaws and, 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 um, and we can say, Oh, how's that a good thing? It really is a good thing. God uses that. And so in a lot of ways, um, you know, there's something special about being in a small church with, with an acoustic guitar or a piano, and it's just you, because you, you you can't hide behind, you know, some, some other good musicians and you, you play a bad chord and it's not as nearly as noticeable because everybody else is covering for you. Um, But in all that, God uses that to shape us and to make us. And, um, you know, I find it easy to lead worship uh, like you, Jody, at, at, big conferences with a with a big band that's you know carrying it's like riding the big wave mm-hmm. um but when i get in a group you know in a room with 20 guys an acoustic guitar uh, i i was just thinking i led worship for uh the tgc guys uh the canadian guys at one of the last conferences down there in minneapolis or wherever it was and and you know that that's not my favorite thing to do is me and my guitar <laughs> and uh uh, and yet it's, it's so amazing because God, God uses, he, he, what he wants more than anything else is he wants worship from our hearts and he wants faithfulness. And so what does it look like? And I think this is the, the practical things that we wanted to talk about in this episode is what are the practical things that God wants to, uh, wants us to do and to help our teams and to he- help ourselves so that we can we understand that, that God is after our hearts and he wants us to, to, to worship him, whether we have, you know, five people in a room or 300 people in a room, he wants our hearts. And so, and he's going to use all of the circumstances in our life to get to our hearts and to, to, to show us our need for him and that he's, you know, the old Matt Redmond song, I'm coming back to a heart of worship. It's, it's all about you, you know, when the music plays and all is, uh, how does the rest of the guys stripped away, guys. stripped away, you know, uh, longing, uh, just, to, uh, just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. Let's break into that right now. I'll, I'll bring you, <laughs> Pat, I'll can bring you bring out you, your acoustic. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring you more than a song. Yeah. You know, for a song in itself is not what you require. Uh, yeah. You search much deeper within. And I think, man, what, what in the world was that guy doing? This That song was written a long time ago, but still so appropriate today. Mm-hmm. Do, do we really believe you, that person, that young person or that, that middle-aged person, whoever you may be in that small church right now, do you believe that when you get up on Sunday with your acoustic guitar, with 10 or 15 people or 80 people in that church, that do you believe that it's all about him? Because if you do, then God's going to use that and, and he's going to use you mm-hmm. uh, to, to point those people to Jesus and make them love Jesus. And it isn't going to be about the big band. It's going to be about your heart of worship. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's good for us to, to dial back because we're enculturated. Our Christianity and our even our worship responses can be more informed by culture than the scriptures. And it's good at this point for us to step back and say, what pleases the heart of God? Does he need volume? Does he need decibels? Does he need shiny guitars and pedal boards? No. And the scripture is full of that. Obviously, David's sitting on a on a rock, watching his sheep, composing Psalm 23, singing his, you know, I love the Lord uh, because he rescued me. 
there were no big bands and there were no big sound systems. And just let's remember, as you said, that the heart that pleases the heart of God is a, is a pure heart. It's a heart that seeks God. And as I think the one of the, the foundational things of worshiping this big God in a small church is the heart of a leader, heart that's passionate for him, because who you are is contagious. Uh, the leader, whether you're working with no other people on the platform or a couple of people, you are going to be contagious. And I like to say to worship teams that your job is to be a contagious communicator, that you're expressing the thing that most captivates you and that has thrilled you, the treasure that's thrilled you, and that thing that captivates you and the treasure is Christ and his beauty and his glory. And if that is bubbling and burning in you, that is going to be radiant, radiantly uh, attractive to the people that come near and they're going to feel the warmth and they're going to sense the joy and you're you're going to be actually a worship leader regardless of what their instruments around you just because your heart is on fire so we have talked before about the gospel just our last few episodes we talked about gospel shaped liturgies and the fact that we are remembering the work of Christ the grace of God and that's burning within us in gratitude of of what he's done on the cross for us that we are change that we have new life that we're um, going to be with him forever mm. and that to me is the heart the heart of of worshiping this big god is is the heart of a leader who can encourage other people because that individual is is on fire yeah i think if we think about how do we what kind of leader do we need to be you, you hit it jody i think the first thing practically is we got to be people who are modeling a spiritual a life of spiritual growth um, because our team's going to be looking to us, and whether that's four people or six people or 60 people, um, we want to model a lifestyle that they follow. Like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so, you know, your team's never going to be more spiritual than you are. They're never going to out spiritual, outgrow you. Um, and some might, but on the most part as leaders, we're really trying to pave the way. So the first thing that we focus on is just, okay, what am I modeling in my life? A love for Jesus. Am I in the word, man? Am I engaging in the spiritual disciplines? Am I loving the gospel? Am I getting familiar with speaking the gospel? And, and am I living under a, a, the lies of legalism still? And you know, I'm, I'm earning my salvation. I'm earning God's favor every day. Or am I living in grace and therefore able to demonstrate grace to people? And um, is, is doctrine important? You know, song selection can often reveal if doctrine is important to us. And so if, if doctrine's important and you're going to see that in your song selection and then your team's going to see that in you, they're going to go, oh, okay, we didn't sing that song because, you know, Joe said there was something off with the doctrine. Interesting, you know, that kind of modeling and that kind of teaching, um, I think is critical to a small church leader it doesn't matter how many people you have you want to model that because faithfulness i think is um like we've been saying love for jesus and a faithful love for him and modeling that for our people is going to serve them and it's going to give you authority it's going to grant you an authority in their lives and it's going to save you um, a lot of heartache down down the road when when you're not doing that yeah you think of think of parenting and uh i got a lot of children i got eight kids um but you think if if all my parenting was done just just through proclamation without demonstration um you know what kind of kids would i have i 
I meet on Friday mornings with two of my sons, my oldest sons, 34 and 33, and a couple other guys in our church uh, to pray every Friday. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I had this, uh, I just, I just become overwhelmed, overcome with emotion as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I'm 55 years old. My sons are 34 and 33. And here we are, you know, from, from many, many, many years ago, we're still together. We're still praying. We're still loving Jesus. And I, I couldn't pat myself on the back there. Uh, I couldn't say, wow, you've just done such a great job. But, but what, but what I did is it just, I, you know, attributing it all to the grace of God, the, the work of God. I used to say to my kids, I, I think God put me in your life so you could see what repentance looks like. And your dad would have to humble himself on a regular basis and say, buddy, I sinned against you again. Your dad is the, the worst sinner I know, but Jesus is a great savior. Um, and I think if, if, if we proclaim something if you're in that small church and you're you've been given the the mantle someone has said to you hey i need you to to take the 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 worship ministry the music ministry of the church could you lead this Uh, i would say to you make sure that what you're proclaiming you're backing up with a demonstration Mm. and and you know uh we trust that our children will will one day walk with jesus and love jesus um, and, and that's only by God's grace when they do, uh, but, but vitally important that we make sure that we are proclamation and demonstration and without proclamation and demonstration, our proclamation is invalid. It, it's no, it's people will, you know, plug their ears, put cotton in their ears and, and, uh, not, not, not listen. Yeah, the uh, the phrase "brothers, we are not professionals" comes to my mind, and we're not just musicians. We're not singers. We're not song leaders. We're not karaoke conductors. Uh, we are these living entities that have a living relationship with a living God. And one of the things that concerns me about big church worship and the big show, uh, if I could say it like that, it's kind of in a slightly crass way, is that. I wonder with a generation that's growing up in a big church with stuff, if they think even subtly, hey, I can't worship unless there's lights and guitars and drum solos or whatever. I wonder if it's easy for people in this generation to actually go, you know, I can worship God by myself walking through the park. And the challenge for us as leaders is that we are not professionals, that even before we get to the platform, our worship at home in the in the prayer closet, in the quiet or wherever we, we meet with God has to be real and flowing. And so, you know, maybe it's as simple as when you wake up in the morning, is there a song on your heart? When you go for a walk in the morning, taking your dog for a walk, are you praying the Lord's Prayer as you look at a sunshine? Are you thanking God for a new day and the opportunity to worship Him? That's even just stepping back and saying, Lord, grow this church in worship because you grow me deeper in worship. And I'm going to be, as Rob said, almost the, uh, you know, I'm the, the gauge, just kind of the the throttle on where this is going to go, and and Lord, you know, push me, push me forward, and do do a, the work that you need to do in me, so that you can work through me and to the team and to the congregation. All right, well, let's let's uh, keep jumping in. One of the things that that I love about small churches that is that we can maximize what we have with what God gives us, and that goes back to the first Peter four ten. 
you know, if you're listening to the podcast today and you go, I've done an assessment and we don't have a whole lot. I've got a half, half decent guitar and a not so half decent PA system and a piano that's massively out of tune. If that's what you got, then use what you've got. And I love, I love assessing the gifts that God gives us and saying, Lord, what, what is it that you've given us and how can we max it out? We touched on that a little bit last time. And I personally have had lots of opportunities to be acoustic keyboard and a percussion player and seeing what we can do with, with all of that. Uh, and um, if you have creative abilities as a leader and as a musician, just explore what it is that you've got and then what you can do to expand. And uh, the analogy would be just like, you know, if God's put something in the sponge, just squeeze every bit out of that sponge. Whatever it is that you've got, ask the Lord God, help us to maximize uh, the, the, the resources that we have right now. They may not be many, but help us to use them to their fullest extent. Uh, what are some other things that you guys practically think that we need to be thinking about as we talk about this? Rob, you going? Sure. Um, so I think one thing we could be doing maximizing, one, one thing I think that's important, not only that we're kind of stewarding our spiritual lives, we're modeling that, but we're also modeling musical growth. And, and this, I want to be very hesitant to not put too much of a burden on people, but one of the things that has served me very well over the years is just taking a little bit of time each week to kind of learn other, like what, what is the, I don't play piano. So what governs what worship piano can look like? Um, and I don't play drums. So what's, what governs what good drums look like in a band and try to be able to speak knowledgeably about the other things that you have. So tuning pianos, like, well, I, I don't know anything about it. So if I was in a church and we had a big piano that needed tuning, what I'd probably do is go on YouTube and search, how do you tune a piano? What do you need to tune a piano? One of the greatest tools you have, worship leader, is YouTube. Like everything is on there. You want to know how piano should sound and go there. You want to know how to EQ? You want to learn a bit on EQ and go to YouTube. There are so many resources um, on YouTube for growing as musicians. There's, they'll teach you, hey, you want to start using a click? Here's how to use a click with your iPhone and a headphone jack. Like right. anything, like you can grow in incremental amounts and you can really steward well, very simply nowadays. And often your team is not going to show that initiative. Um, that piano player won't instinctively know that they need to relearn their instrument so they can play modern worship. You need to go and you need to learn some of this stuff and equip them. And I know that can seem daunting, but that's why I say YouTube is just a super easy resource. You can go on and find easy videos that help people um, learn things about their instrument. And so I would say, you know, take some initiative in your own life to just grow in your understanding. So I know a lot about synth and piano because they became prominent in modern worship, but I don't play them but I know enough to be able to hear it, to be able to communicate. Hey, did you pick up that piano riff in the song? You know, like I'm able to do that just by YouTube, just by kind of learning some things. So that's a very simple thing. But again, it's part of stewarding our gift. If God's put you in that position, remember first Peter, if he's given you that gift to steward well, um, then we need to take, take that responsibly. What would you guys say? What, how would you, how much would you guys add to that? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I know a lot of churches, the question I get asked a lot of time when I'm out there and teaching and hanging out with other worship people, especially in smaller churches is, you know, would you use tracks? Mm. Um, we only have an acoustic player or we only have a piano and acoustic player and it never sounds that great when, you know, speaking of YouTube, but when everything's out there and available, why would we not just play tracks on Sunday mornings? And I mean, if we're talking about the first Peter four text here of, of each one has received a gift. Um, I think what we're doing in that moment is we're taking our gifts and we're burying them. Uh, and we're saying it's not good enough. And it, in a sense, it can be like the guy with the one talent when the master came back and he said, Hey, I knew you were this kind of guy. And so I, I just wanted to protect it. And here you go is your one, one talent. You know, what he said to the guy with two and with five, is he said, you've been faithful um, it, with what I given you, I'm going to, I'm going to make mm. you ruler over much or whatever. Um, so I, I think, I think, you know, tracks can give us the, the appearance that we're more polished, more professional. We, we look better, but is that the goal? Mm. Or is the goal to use our gifts so that we make a bold statement to the world and, and to our church that Jesus is alive and because he ascended, he's given these gifts to us mm. um, to use for his glory. And so, um, you know, I think, I, I think you want to take what he's given you and use it and you want to steward it well and you want to you want to practice the beautiful thing about small churches is usually you're in a smaller town sometimes and you can get together a lot easier and and do jam sessions um, practice 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 um you know i i like you rob um um, I, I don't, I didn't know any music theory at all. I was a self-taught, everything self-taught. Um, and when, when good musicians started coming in, into my church and hanging out with me, it was very apparent that I didn't know how to speak the language. Mm. So someone would say, are we playing the seven chord? And I'm like, what is a seven chord? So I went to Trinity Western and took two basic theory classes, uh, mm -hmm. just so that I could uh, understand basic theory and be able to help people that were way smarter than me that God was bringing into our church. So I just think steward, steward, steward what God has given you. Um, is it wrong to use tracks? I don't know. We could debate on that. I'm not a big fan personally. And I think, I think you want, we want to say when someone's walking into your church and you're up there leading worship with an acoustic guitar, and 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 in your love in Jesus and delighting in Jesus, you're making a bold statement that Jesus has has gifted us. He's 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 given us these gifts to glorify Him, and um, this is who we are. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think the danger with tracks is sometimes I wonder if it's well, my piano players don't really want to learn this stuff, so I'm just going to play a track that to me is a leadership issue. That's a discipleship issue that you're not able to inspire and lead your team in such a way where they're willing to maybe stretch and grow. And like we're saying, steward their gift and expand and learn and grow and turn that talent into two or three or four talents. And um, a lot of people will go, I'm just not, you know, my, all oh, my piano player, player stuck in their ways or this person is not going to, this electric guitar player is never going to use effect pedals and I can't. So I'm just going to throw the electric guitar line in on the track because it's easier than dealing with maybe that 
now electric guitar player, that's probably a big church problem, not a small church problem, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's easier to just not deal with people, to not grow, walk long-term with people and cast vision and see them mature and grow and expand their gifts. It's a whole lot harder to do. And so that's the danger that I've always seen with tracks. You know, I was wondering if like, oh, do we suggest like, if I'm in a, if I'm in a room, I've certainly gone and just to hit a pad. If I don't have a synth player there, if I have nobody there, there's times where I've gone and downloaded just a G pad and just played it and played to it. I don't, I think I might separate something like that from something where I am systematically not discipling people. I'm just turning tracks on. I think that's, I think that's what we want to get away from. Mm -hmm. And when it's not a tool, when it becomes a crutch that, that that's an issue a crutch for discipleship and as as we have this this opportunity to steward one of the things that comes to my mind and we're going to wrap up in just a couple of minutes but the uh the thing that comes to my mind is excellence what you do with what you've got is important and back to the one talent guy he didn't think he had much he was afraid so he buried it and we can somehow think well i don't really have much to work with i'm just gonna you know do a a shoddy job. The reality is your challenge is to take what you've got and to do excellent things with it, to maximize it. We've been talking about that, to be excellent at what you do. And there's there's less room to hide uh, the mistakes because as we have already talked about, you're exposed one or two voices, one or two instruments. There's not a lot of room for mistakes. So that means you have to be organized. And, and I'm a big fan of rehearsing, of arranging songs, of uh, mapping out verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, just mapping out the song arrangements so that the people two or three around you know where you're going and making sure the lyrics are, are right on the screen behind you, not just winging it, not throwing it together at the last minute, but making that service for 35 people with three of you on the platform as important as if there was 335 people and eight people on the platform that kind of intentionality, that kind of excellence. And one of the easy things that you can do as a leader of a small church worship is just to stop playing and let, let there be a cappella singing. That's probably the most brilliant thing you can do because it requires no practice, uh, no rehearsal. And in fact, it's some of the most powerful things is when you step back from the mic and let the congregation sing and just let their voices carry. No skill required get out of the way and and do that uh, the final thing i want to say and i'm going to give you guys um it's kind of a the last couple of uh, nuggets that you want to add but if i'm in a small church and i've run out of personnel the place that i'm first going to look is the youth ministry have you noticed that guys girls who are 14 15 16 17 have these amazing abilities that we didn't have at their age they pick it up fast they're keen. They have time on their hands. They need exposure. They want to learn. They want to grow. And I would I would look to the youth ministry, whether there's 10 kids in the youth group or four or 14. I'd say, who, who plays guitar? Great. Who wants to play guitar? Great. I'll teach you. And I would start to use some of the, the Friday night youth crowd and say, I'd love you to play Sunday morning. And there's a whole development process that is involved with that. But that's fresh talent, fresh energy, fresh creativity. And that'll make your six people on your worship team turn into 12. And uh, now you've got something more than you thought you had. Rob, over to you. Last comments. Yeah, I would say, you know, I haven't done this enough in my life, but in recent years I have. If there's somebody just beyond you 
in the ministry that's kind of doing this and that's you respect and honor and you have a kind of, even if you don't have a relationship with them, like I would try reaching out and just being like, Hey, you know, do you have time to just shepherd somebody who's trying to do this in a, in a small context? If you feel out of your element, like don't do this alone. I know, I know, like if anybody reached out to me like that and they were like, Hey man, and they do like, I'll get emails from people from churches down the street and they're trying to do stuff and they reach out to me and I'm always more than happy for free to just help people. Like and I'm insulted when they try to pay me. I'm just like, come on, man, let me bless you. Like, I want to help you. Um, and that's a big thing. Reach out. If you see somebody who's doing something, just ask like, Hey, you got a great team. I feel like you got like, how do you, what do you do is seek wisdom, seek help, seek kind of that discipleship for yourself. Um, and so if you're, if there's a church down the street, that has got 150 people more than you reach out to their worship leader and ask him, it might be a gold mine. It might not, but you know, just seek wisdom and counsel. I think that's always a blessing. Like just transparently, transparently, like I've called both Jody and Pat with problems and situations and they've graciously talked to me and helped me and poured into me. And uh, that's a huge blessing. So resource yourself with people who are a little down the line and who can maybe give you some insight. I think that's huge. He means resource yourself with old people. Yeah. <laughs> I said a um, little down the line. A little down the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would I would say uh, if you're listening and you're in a small church, you need to right now go on Amazon and purchase uh, Music Through the Eyes of Faith by Harold Best. And you need to read chapter five. If you read nothing else in the book, read chapter five. And I'm going to close with a tiny quote from him. He says, excellence is for everybody. It is commanded and we must pursue it. Listen, it is a process, not an event. And in the final analysis, there are no earthly measurements for it. And um, so if you're trying to measure yourself by another standard, by another church, and you're saying, hey, if we could just sound like that church down the road, that is not pursuing excellence. Excellence is taking what God has given you right there mm -hmm. in your hands and saying, I just want to steward this. I want to enjoy the process that God has me in. And I want to be the very best. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I just be a faithful steward with what God's given so that God may be glorified through mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Amen. That sounds like a good place to drop the mic and give a big amen. <laughs> should, we, should we sing Heart of Worship now? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're cheering on uh, those of you who are in these situations and uh we love you we want to reach out and if there's a way as rob has said that we can help you send us a question maybe it's something practical maybe it's you know just a, a lifeline that you need because your situation is pretty challenging my my final word would be to pray and thank the lord for who he's made you to be and uh honor the giftings that he's put in your life it's it's a gift of grace we've talked about that it's the work of the spirit that's graced you in this way and he's put you in a place and it's probably challenging. Uh, if you're watching this, listening today, you probably go, there's a lot of challenges I face. That's okay. And you ask the Lord to build you. Ask the Lord to build the church. Ask the Lord to build the worship ministry. And ask the Lord to do a work to stir up a spirit of worship in you and in the team and in the church beyond what, humanly speaking, three or four people should be able to do. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about how many bodies are on the platform. It's a work of the Spirit of God working in you and through you and among you. 
and uh, see what the Lord will do. As you open the door, Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks, and if we open the door, he will come in and he will sup with us and fellowship with us, and, and uh, he will be exalted and glorified in your small church. He's a big God, and we want to have worship that honors a big God, even with our little few loaves and fishes that he's given to us. Watch what he'll do. He'll multiply them. Uh, let's uh, pray. I'm going to ask Pat if you would pray for those who are with us today, that God would, would bless them and lead them. Yeah, Father, we thank you for this time we've had together, and uh, I pray for every worship leader, every one who's been uh, been asked maybe by their pastor or someone in the church if they would take the singing portion of of the the service um, and to lead it, and that are that you, know, li- you may be listening right now and just overwhelmed. Um, feeling like I, I don't know even know uh, first steps or next steps and uh, I pray that that they would just um, Jesus you said in Matthew 11 28 come to me uh, all you are who are weary and I'll give you rest um, and then and then you tell us to take your yoke on on you said take my yoke on you and learn from me um, and that's that's learning restful work it's learning the the unforced rhythms of grace. It's learning to, to uh, go with you, Jesus, and not go with our plans and our agendas and our desires. So would you lead these, these worship leaders, these music uh, directors? Uh, would, you, um, would you help them to be found faithful with what you've given them and that they would serve you excellently to the glory of your great name? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, TGC Canada, for hosting this. And uh, God bless you. We're cheering you on. We'll see you again next time.